I greet you all in the name of Jesus. Welcome you to this part of the service. <clears throat> I think I have a new attendant here at church this morning. Nelson and Sister Kim, a little daughter is here. So I'll have the welcoming prayer if you want to come up. process that you give them strength and wisdom and knowledge and blessing. It's already blessed in the devotions this morning. Could have spent more time and just expanded on those thoughts that would have been sufficient. But this morning I want to look at a topic of uh, us, us, a responsibility that we have to be beacons of light. You can turn with me to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, <clears throat> and we'll read verses 13 to 16. <clears throat> Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. says, you, <clears throat> Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What kind of people did he, did Jesus say this to? Was he only speaking here to the high priests or the, the educated people of the world? No, he said this to farmers, fishermen, tax collectors, housewives, all in a tiny village of an obscure part of the world. And uh, I think we identify with that ourselves, and that's what we are. We are just common people. Do we see ourselves that way? Do we see ourselves as lights of the world? Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither, neither labored in vain. <clears throat> you and I are the light of the world. What does this mean? Through this message, you want to draw the parallel or the similarity of natural light, lights that we have all around us, and us being lights to the world. No light was a great invention, or some of us maybe think was not such a great invention. We sometimes consider what our lives would be like if there was no artificial light. But in general, lights have have many characteristics that we appreciate. We also have a responsibility to the world. What, First of all, now, we've got a number of different points of what lights do. Light is compelling. It draws people. And uh, we know how that is, especially in back in... This time when they, their main sources of light were actually flames, fires, fires are compelling when it's used for light and warmth. And I think the same way our lives also should be compelling. Our lives shouldn't be blinding lights or glaring lights, but they should be a compelling light that draws people. I think sometimes maybe when we are trying to be a light to the world, we might have a tendency to to shine too much light maybe at once or to uh, try to shine the light on every part of a person's life, all the needs that are there. But I think our responsibility more is to be a drawing light or a softer light, a light that gives warmth. Lights are also used to signal, and you know that has been part of the function of lights throughout all time, ships signaling to other ships, lighthouses, warning of danger. 
<clears throat> we know that lights are used to guide. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy light, that, sorry, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And in that way, like a lighthouse is a, a guide, sometimes in a harbor, you know, on the other side of Kootenai Lake, Balfour, there's that buoy or the little lighthouse. It's there for them to be able to see the destination, but also to warn that shallow area there. They need to go around to the left side of that or they're going to run aground. That's how our lives need to be a guide and also to to warn, be a warning to those that are following as well of dangers that we have probably encountered or things that we have seen in our lives that we can warn others about. We also know that lights, physical lives, are used to to show the way, like I said, on the highways. How much easier is it to drive on a road that has lights to guide you or like is used for ships or also for landing aircraft to have those happy lights, precision approach path indicators that show you if all the lights are white, the pilot knows he's way too high. If there are three white lights, one red, he's still too high, he needs to bring his descent down. All their lights are red. They say you're soon going to be dead. That means you're too low. But you need to have two reds and two whites showing that the plane is on the correct glide path. Our lives have that ability to be that to our children, to those following or those around us as well. To We have that responsibility to be that beacon of light for others can safely follow. It's a great responsibility to have to make sure we are living lives that others can safely follow. Light is used to penetrate darkness and expose evil and error. John 3, verses 19, 20, and 21. And this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. <clears throat> but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, or that his deeds might be made plain or plain, made visible, that they are wrought in God. <clears throat> Know that light is the opposite of darkness. And if there is light, there will not be true darkness. That's why we have the responsibility of showing this light of, of Christ to try to dispel the darkness that is around us. 
Light is used to prevent sin in the way that you know, security lights are there for a purpose. They're so that there's a deterrent to theft. Isaiah 30, verse 17. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one, at the rebuke of five shall ye flee, till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain, and as an ensign on a hill. <clears throat> are we are we careful and consistent that we are lights that also prevent sin? We someone that when people are around us that they would feel uncomfortable in uh, saying things that are not right, not not good. I think we should be that kind of a rebuke to sin. Our lives should be that kind of light. Light is also used to produce growth. You know, plants need light, and uh, our lives should be that kind of light as well that help to promote growth. Also, light doesn't exist for its own glory, <clears throat> but to brighten up the world. You know, there's no point in having lights on when there's no one around. Children sometimes need to learn this. Students seem to quite have that concept sometimes that lights are there for the purpose of someone is there. But are, are our lives like that, that we are satisfied to just shine our light somewhere where it doesn't really help anything? Or, or are we conscious of shining our lives, our lights, for the benefit of others. As all of us realizing that there are those following us, <clears throat> are we living our lives consciously having our lights on or reflecting the light of God for the benefit of others. You know, sometimes, I'm probably not sure where I'm going with this thought, but sometimes we've walked a path numerous times and we probably don't really need a light or we might be careless with the reflection that we're giving because maybe we're just concentrating on ourselves and we know we're... We might not stumble. We know where the obstacles are. But let's remember that there are those following us that benefit from our lights still being on, still illuminating the way. And uh, we sometimes tend to forget <clears throat> that our children, or as we get older, those younger, maybe they haven't, seen some of the pitfalls we have and might not know why we do certain things the way we do. Let's remember to 
to illuminate, to have our lights on so that those following can understand why we are going where we are and maybe the results of us maybe in the past not having walked in these steps. All right, the next point. We have something that the world desperately needs. Acts 13 verse 47 says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. All of us who have experienced the changing work of Christ in our lives have something that the world also needs. Mother Teresa was apparently having some kind of a seminar in India, and there were nuns from all over the world, North America and Europe, other places, attending there, and uh, one or several of them were asking her, telling her that so many of the nuns in their own, whatever they call that, were dropping out, losing their way, or giving up. But where Mother Teresa was, there were more attending all the time, and they were faithful. Asked her why that was, and she says, she was saying, well, I give them Jesus Christ. And they said, well, yeah, that's good and right, but why are, why are your people in your area here, why are they still faithfully practicing the teachings that you do the same way you do and not giving up? And she says, well, I teach them Jesus Christ. And she continually said that. And uh, be that as it may, I'm not sure we know Mother Teresa did many wonderful things in India there. But for us, ourselves here, let's remember that that is all we have to offer too. We have Jesus Christ to offer. You know, our way of life, our culture has many benefits to society. There's many things, the way we practice that people around us, our neighbors, if they would do things the way we do, they would probably have benefits in their lives, but that's not really what we're here for. Ultimately, all we have to give is Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what our people in our society so desperately need. They don't, first of all, need our way of gardening or our way of of fellowship, that's a byproduct or that's what will come if we give them Jesus Christ, first of all. That brings me to the third point. We are not the source of light. We are merely reflectors of a much greater source. I'll read a couple verses here again. John 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light. Jesus Christ here said that he is the light of the world. And uh, 
as we reflect that, as we walk close to him, the closer we walk to him, the greater our reflection of him will be. First John 5, sorry, First John 1 verse 5, this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we are like the moon to reflect the light, just like the moon reflects the light of the sun, we are to reflect Christ. How many of you saw the full moon on Monday and Tuesday there? It's really bright. I enjoyed that. But that was that bright light. You know, you could almost drive without headlights in the middle of the night, but there was no natural light that the moon was producing itself, but it was just a reflection of the sun. Are we able to magnify Christ in that way? There's one who has touched our lives and given us the power and authority to touch others. If we were only able to touch others by our own strength, it would be pretty feeble, but it's only because of Jesus having touched our lives that we can touch others. Read an anecdote, still story here. There was a person... Once told about a college professor who had his sociology class going to the Baltimore slums and to get a case history of 200 young boys. <clears throat> so these students had this project to go out and look at these young men in the slums. The students were asked to write an evaluation of each one of these boys' future. In every case, <clears throat> the student wrote, he doesn't have a chance. 25 years later, another sociology professor came across that earlier study that this first professor had done, and he asked his students to follow up on this project that was done, you know, 25 years ago to see how this had turned out. And with the exception of 20 boys who had either died or moved away, they were able to locate um, 180 of those of those boys that have been studied. Out of those 180, 176 had become successful in society, either lawyers or doctors or businessmen. The professor was astounded because, you know, that earlier study had said all of those basically had no chance of of succeeding they in the slums they had very little chance of life so this earlier study had been so incredibly inaccurate so he was wondering what had happened to change the future of these young boys and fortunately all the young men were still in that area he was able to ask each one how do you account for your success in each case, the reply came back. Well, there was this one teacher that we had, and so all these boys had that same teacher. So college professor tracked her down, elderly woman at this point, but she was still sharp, and asked how she, what formula, what how she was able to pull these boys out of the slums and make them 
able to be positive, have positive lives. The teacher's eyes sparkled, her lips spoke with a smile, and she said, that's very simple. She says, I love those boys. This teacher saw a possibility in them that no one else saw. If we believe in someone, if we reflect what Jesus has done in our lives to others as well, and believe that possible for every life that we touch, we can also have an, an, uh, an influence like that on others around us. The love we have received from Jesus must be passed on to others. Our lives are on display, and that is the way it's supposed to be. You know, sometimes we kind of cringe at that thought of our lives being on display. We resist the idea, and we might tell people, either consciously or unconsciously, not to look at us because we're prone to mess up. We don't want that responsibility if someone's following us. This sounds humble, but it's not really what God wants of us. He wants you to be on display to others so that they can see what he is like. Other people following us, looking at our lives, already know that we're not perfect. That's not news. But we need to be real. We need to let our lives shine and to stay humble. And when we mess up, we need to admit it and move on. You know, periodically, we need to maybe polish our lenses and uh, so that they can better reflect again. Ask God to give you the strength to become a consistent reflection of his light. People in this world are lost in darkness and they're looking for light to lead them to spiritual, emotional, and mental safety. You know, the responsibility we have to be a consistent light on that hilltop, whether it's children, grandchildren that maybe once experienced Christ's light in their lives and have left, we have the responsibility to stay there faithfully so that they can, in their time of need, still return and know where they'll find us, still be a help to them. People may never follow us directly. You know, neighbors that we meet, people that we have conversations with, they might never follow us directly, but maybe there is something in our life that shone into a need in their life, something that they'll remember later, and something that will reveal something in their lives that we might never see the results of, but we need to be faithful to, to be consistent. Just in closing here, I have a poem, or actually it's a song I'd like to read. You might be familiar with it. 
it goes like this. <clears throat> there is a candle in every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There is a spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle and makes his home. Carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the helpless, confused and torn, and hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go light your world. Frustrated brothers, see how he's tried to light his own candle some other way. See now your sister, she's been robbed and lied to, still holds the candle without a flame. So carry your candle, run to the darkness. Seek out the lonely, the tired and worn, and hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go light your world. We are a family whose hearts are blazing, so let's raise our candles and light up the sky, praying to our Father in the name of Jesus. Make us a beacon in the darkest times. Carry your candle, run to the darkness. Seek out the hopeless, deceived, and poor. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go light your world. In closing, I'd like to look at the time we're looking forward to when we will no longer need artificial lights, when we will no longer need to be a light to those around us. Turn with me to Revelation 21. <clears throat> Revelation 21. Um, I think we'll start reading specifically. I want to look at 22 and on, but we'll back up even further. Start here in verse 9. <clears throat> and there came unto me one of the seven angels with a had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying come hither I will show thee the bride the lamb's wife and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven and to, sorry descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a great wall and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and the names written thereon were the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And the city lieth four square and the length of it as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs, and the length and the breadth and the height of it were equal. And he measured the wall thereof 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoporus, chrysoporus, 
Prasaprasas, the 11th, Chasin, the 12th, Amethyst. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was one of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw a temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, or the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God delight in it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall be, sorry, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's uh, stand for prayer. <clears throat> Our Father in Heaven, we pause before you at the close of the service. So thankful for the light of Jesus Christ shining to us and uh, making a way for us that he came and gave his life. Just help us <clears throat> as we have walked with him, that we have that zeal and the inspiration to reflect that light to those around us, those falling on behind us, that we would be a help to them, that we would not cause for stumbling, but others looking out at our lives would see something that is an inspiration, see something that they would want to follow. And we are looking forward to a time when we no longer need to have artificial lights, when we no longer need to um, be so careful in our walks, but we can be in your presence where you are the light, where you will illuminate everything that has been so hard for us to understand here. Just pray that you would help us to be faithful unto the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.